Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus uh, one guy I wanted to bring up was there was a good moment in the Rangers game with uh, with Thomas Nosek after his goal. He waved to his his wife in the crowd. The old uh, I think that they used to call it the Armour Yager, but I think they're going to start going to call it the uh, the Thomas Nosek now. But um, just talk about maybe his impact since coming back into the lineup. He missed a lot of time uh, with his injury, and he came back and he scored a goal uh, against the Oilers. Um, scored a goal against the Rangers. And it's, it wasn't long ago where Thomas Nosek was the most snake-bitten guy in the NHL for what seemed like a whole season. So just the, the impact he's made since coming back in that fourth line looking like it has so far with him. Yeah, I think he's and, – and Montgomery's maybe even used this terminology or something close to but he's like – he's just a security blanket. Like you can just throw him out there for any D-zone draw. Obviously, he's you know, when he's playing, he's one of your top – two penalty killing forwards with, with coil in terms of ice time. Um, and you know, you, he's good on face offs. So like he, he can do all, all that dirty work, all that unsexy stuff. And yeah, great that he's also scored, added a couple goals in recently, but like, that's not even what he's there for. It's, it's just take a, you know, a lot of D zone shifts face top competition. Um, and ease some of that defensive workload from, you know, your other guys who then can go have offensive zone shifts and score more, um, you know, and when he was out, it's like Frederick did a solid job there, but like, it's also not the ideal spot for like you're, you're using that line different when it's Frederick, because Frederick, you do still want to get him some offensive opportunities. Uh, he's not, as used to being buried in the D zone like that as Nosek is. So he's not as good on face off. So you don't 
have the same level of trust of throwing him out there in any situation late in the game, you know, like, I mean, they'll throw Nosek out there like with a Bergeron or Krejci or Coyle, um, depending on like what side of the ice the draws on, or just to have a second option. If one of those guys gets booted from the faceoff circle. So, you know, Montgomery loves using them in that way. And, you know, he's really like, he's the only guy on the roster who can, who can really do that. So it's, you know, no one's going to call Tomas Nosek irreplaceable. He's not, I don't want to like go crazy over the top, but what he does bring is, is valuable for sure. Yeah. And, and the goal, like the goal against the Rangers was a shorthanded goal. <laughs> and that's, seems to be where he's most valuable is on the penalty kill. Um, He's one of their best penalty killers. Charlie Coyle is great as well in terms of forward penalty killers, but um, yeah, that's, that's his value. Um, And he's, he seems to have come back and I don't think looks like he has any sort of lingering issues. Um, Better fit on the fourth line as center than Frederick for sure. Totally two different styles of players, two different kinds of personalities. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen no sick fight someone. Um, I'm sure there's a video somewhere, but um. he did it. I think, was it earlier this season? He like stood up for Bergeron. Someone was had hit really Bergeron. Much, and, it wasn't uh, much of a fight if I remember correctly. Burroughs on Vancouver yeah. hit Pasenak. Oh yeah, Pasenak. And then he fed no sick his lunch. Yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, but you know, points for oh, and the guy, and the guy, and actually, no, he did okay in that one. He just kind of wrestled him to the ground. The one where he actually got fed, fed his lunch was in Colorado with uh, Dryden Hunt before he got tr- traded to Toronto. Oh yeah. Anyway, that's not his role. That's and they don't need that to be his role because they have all these other guys that can actually do stuff like that when you need them. With you know, Hathaway, Greer, Frederick even Felino just goes down the line. Um, did you guys want to talk about the fact that defensively Grizzlick has been rotated back out um, and just thoughts on, cause we're talking about rotation, but um, yeah, Grizzlick is the first one to sit twice. Yeah. And you know, so you got one game each for four different guys and the, Rotation order the first time through went Clifton, Grizzlick, Carlo, Forbort. So had they strictly followed that, it would have been Clifton again on Saturday. And like you said, it wasn't. It was Grizzlick. Um, I, you know, Montgomery never said, and and I never thought it was going to be just a strict one, two, three, four order. You know, he'd even said like there would be some consideration to matchups, to reason workloads you know, bumps and bruises, all that. Um, so Grizzly being, you know, the first one to sit twice, it's interesting. I wouldn't read too much into it unless he now sits again, like within the next game or, you know, a couple games, you know, like if he gets to three before one of those other guys even gets to two now, I think that starts to tell you something. And I'd said before, I think on maybe the last podcast we did, like, Grizzly had a couple games where he was only playing 14, 15 minutes. And that usually tells you a story as well. Um, but then the last game that he did play on Thursday against Buffalo, 
he played 19 minutes and I thought played really well. So it's like, okay, well that, you know, kills that narrative a little bit. His ice time went up and he seemed to handle it pretty well. Um, but yeah, it, if you had to bet right now, I think it does seem like he's probably the odd man out. He's probably the seventh guy. Orlov being paired with McAvoy looks really good. I think, you know, Montgomery was asked on Monday if there's like one place he's liked Orlov the most. And, and he danced around, you know, he said, no, I think he's looked good everywhere. But to me, I think he's like the best with McAvoy and, you know, shocker. Like, like that's not a revelation. A lot of guys are going to look like they're going to look their best play next to McAvoy. Um, but that really seems like a good fit. Yeah. It's, it's the most natural substitution. Like if, if you're, if you really think about it, guys, Don Sweeney did not go out there and acquired Dimitri Orlov to upgrade Derek Forbert or to upgrade Clifton or even Carlo because I'm, he, he did it to upgrade Matt Grizzlick. He did it to upgrade that, that natural top four left defenseman. And that's not, that's not saying that Matt Grizzlick isn't capable at that position in that role. But if they wanted to win a cup, I, Don Sweeney felt like we need to upgrade there in certain areas. And those areas being a little more nasty, a little more physicality, a little more experience in winning. And that's Orloff brings those things. I mean, he has nine points since being a Bruin. I think it might be 10. I think it's nine. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's, I think when you boil it down, it's that, that's what they did guys. They went out and they, they, they acquired Dimitri Orloff as an upgrade to Matt Grizzly. It's the most natural explanation when you, and I mentioned this last podcast, but when you go up and down their decor, every single guy brings something unique to that blue line, something that they can add to a specific game and a playoff series. And Matt Grizzly has unique uh, skill sets to add to until you bring in Dimitri Orloff. And now you have some redundancy plus what Orloff brings that Matt doesn't bring. And I just think that's what you're seeing here. That's not to say that, Matt's not going to play the rest of the year. They're going to keep this rotation going. But if you're asking me what the what the what the day one playoff roster is, it's what you've seen. It's what you saw against the Rangers. That's that's what they want to do. They like that third pair, Forbert and Clifton, and they should. They've done a great job all year at what their role is. And obviously, Scott spoke to McAvoy and and Orlov's chemistry, and I think they like the range and the defensive shutdown ability of Lindholm and Carlo together. You. If you're if you're a forward playing against Carlo and, and Lindholm, what's that wingspan you're going you're, you're trying to come down on against? And obviously Lindholm has a lot more to his game than just defensive defense. But I, I think they like that they like those pairs. And I think it's 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 as simple as saying they they upgraded um, Grizzly with Orloff. And I think that's kind of what they were you know expecting was going to happen as well. Related, but not exactly related. Um... Bruins power play hasn't looked great. And this just popped into my mind to bring up because of when you add Orlov, you also add a guy that you might be able to add to the power play. And I think that, you know, he had that power play goal, the one timer from the right circle. Um, And you wonder if maybe they try him power play to try to get that back on track. Um, Not saying replace McAvoy. I'm saying like, if you go to defenseman power play, um, just as an option for you 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 have an, a new option over there because that was a really nice goal and i'd like to see them try that again well I'll, I'll say it i'll say replacing mcavoy is absolutely on the table because quite frankly i don't 
think McAvoy's really been great for quite a while running that top unit. Um, I, I think he just gets too deferential, and it's like, yeah, his, his passes over to Pasternak for one timers they're usually right on the tape, like no issues with that. But you've got to be able to do more, and I think two, one, McAvoy shot in and of itself isn't really a weapon, and two. I think he's too hesitant to use it. Like, and Montgomery even kind of touched on this Monday. He was asked about this and said, you know, like they've talked and they want him to have the same attacking mindset. He has five on five. Like you'll see McAvoy at five on five, be very aggressive and drive and, and get down low and use a shot. And then on the power play, you know, Montgomery said, it's like, well, he wants to make sure Pasta gets his touches and Bergeron gets his touches and Marshan gets his touches and it's like, yeah, that's part of being the quarterback for sure. But you also, you have to take your chances when they're there. And I think it's fixable. You know, McAvoy can get that on track and be more aggressive. But the fact that that unit is struggling, like it does raise the possibility of, well, what would Orlov look like there? Um, you know, I don't know if he's as good of a distributor as McAvoy. I don't feel like I've really what you know had enough up close viewings yet and certainly not on the power play because the Capitals never used them on the power play because they had John Carlson. So you would have to see what it looks like. And you know it's possible you'd get him there and he's not a good enough distributor. But what you do know that Orlov has is a shot that's actually a weapon. And that would be a different look on the top unit and maybe something that would help get them going because um you know, yeah, you could look at changing other things too, but I think if you're looking at changing personnel and Montgomery has acknowledged that that's something he's thinking about, uh, that's the most obvious spot to make a change. You know, other otherwise it's, well, you know, are you taking Marshand off? Like, would you put Orlov in Marshand's place? That's, that's kind of tough. You know, I, I don't, again, it would be a different look that could create something. Orlov... I think has a better shot than Marshand on a one-timer, you know, not maybe a wrister walking in, but you know, what, what does that do if you're taking Marshand off like that? I don't know how well that goes over. Yeah. I'm, I'm open to seeing other looks on that, on that unit. Uh, obviously I feel like McAvoy has the potential to, to be that prominent quarterback back there, but you guys have made good points and I, and I, and I don't disagree with them. He's definitely been, reluctant to get the puck to the net he's he's he is uh overthinking certain things and and you don't have a lot of time on a power play you have two minutes so you gotta you gotta you gotta be be decisive and, uh, and efficient but uh you know i also so i, I wouldn't mind seeing orloff get a look i suppose uh i i feel like i feel like the best the power plays looked all year was 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 lindholm back there like i just feel like lindholm has that 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 IQ to like like a la like Eric Carlson or Brent Burns or like John Kling, Klingberg where like he can just kind of straddle the line and f- whether it's just a quick you know side to side shuffle or or edge work or whatever he can just kind of deceptively get the pucks in that pretty quick and not like not a huge back scratcher just like he knows where to put it in front of the net and just get it there um. So that could be an option too, but I just feel like at this stage in the game, like they've been with McAvoy for so long, it's hard for me to envision them going to like 
a top unit look with Lindholm the rest of the way, but maybe they do, and maybe they should. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if they want to send a, a, a bad message to McAvoy, but but I do think Lindholm has that ability to kind of create chaos back there where, like, he just gets the puck to the net, um, and then the PK gets scrambling, and now those seams open up for other more design passes and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, the power play has been a, one of the lower – spots i guess about this team this year if you wanted to pick on one what's their what's their current and i'm going to put you guys in the spot here but what's their power play currently ranked in the league is it still top 15 because it seems like it's struggling to our eyes but is it on a league on a league scale i'm curious if it's dropped beneath the first you know first 10 15 teams because every every other category they're like top two or three in this league one yeah, two or three my my guess is they're still top half um but i i know that I think it's the last 15 games. Was that the segment I looked at? They're five for 49. So like just over 10%. So they're seventh, I believe. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. And you know, to Brian's point, like a lot of, they, they've had success with these five guys who are on the top unit. Like, you know, it's not like these guys have never done it. Um, but it gets into that area of like, well, how long do you want to ride it before you try making, you know, they've Montgomery's given them a lot of leash here. Like he's, he's let this ride for pretty long without really making any changes to that top unit. So, you know, do you just stick with that and ultimately trust these guys and, and trust, you know, it's really Montgomery and Gruden who kind of run the power play, you know, trust yourselves to, okay, we can fix it with these five guys or, you know, do you have to make a change to see what something else looks like? Um, yeah. I mean, you are, you know, it, it seems like you still have plenty of time, like, you know, over a month left in the regular season, but if guys are going to be rotating in and out, that's going to probably include some of the guys in that unit. So in terms of actual game time, you might not have as much time as you think. So yeah, I think they've got to make that decision pretty soon as to whether, all right, we're just going to ride it out with with this group and and we trust them to to get on track, or we want to start taking a look at some other stuff. Yeah, and and looking at the the power play stats, um, Toronto and uh, Tampa Bay both have better power plays than you, but if you're talking about just a special teams matchup in general in the playoffs you still like the Bruins, like their, their penalty kill is just so good. Like um, in terms of like whether or not you'll be scored on more or score more in a special teams matchup in the playoffs, I still like the Bruins chances of at least keeping that an even matchup. It's like, they're not behind in a special teams matchup in the playoffs, even though their power play could be better. We know it could be better. It's just, it's, their special teams in general, especially because of their penalty kill is so good. I don't see as a, one of their like liabilities in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. You're right. And like, I, I, you know, basically said something similar in Sunday skate, which is like, yeah, because the penalty kill is so good. If a game turns into a special teams battle, you still at least like the Bruins chances of breaking even um, as long as the penalties aren't, so lopsided that they're just always on the kill. Uh, but, you know, the other point I made is like, okay, yeah, they won a Stanley Cup in 2011 without a power play. They're 
power play sucked that whole postseason. But that was a different era. Like this, you know, which it really was. Like that was 12 years ago. It's basically a different era. The league's more Don't high scoring. Now, me. I so. feel so old. Yeah. So it's there like there was a point on Sunday where me, Scott, and Razor were just sitting in the studio going, Oh my God, we're old. <laughs> well, Razor's the oldest though. He's he's got a speed, so um, but yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to try to survive a, a postseason with a struggling power play. Like you, you want that to, to be a weapon for you. 